Don't you hate it when your travel partner says this? I want an active adventurous trip, honey. But I want relaxing under the sun. Does a compromise exist? Find out why on today's episode of The Travel Agents. We're the travel agents coming to you with tips, tricks, interviews, and voyages by cruise. The travel agents bringing you the latest travel news. What's up? I'm Brian. And I'm Will. And we're your hosts for the Travel Agents Podcast. Today, we are talking about our beautiful country of the United States, specifically the Southwest portion. Yeah, and I'm excited to hear what you have to say. So back in in December of 2020, my buddy Steve and I, we flew to St. George, Utah, which you've probably never heard of because I'm a travel agent and I've never heard of it. Yeah. But we'll tell you more about it. Uh, most flights do go through Denver. Uh, we we drove one hour to Zion, Zion National Park. From there, we drove an, an hour and a half to Bryce Canyon National Park. Two and a half hours later, we were at Lake Powell. Two hours later, the Grand Canyon. Two hours later, Sedona. And then we flew from Phoenix to Cabo for three nights underneath the sun. And I am really excited about this trip. It was 11 days total. Mm. And I want to share how when I was... When I was creating it or curating it, my thought going into it was, I want the perfect mixture of fun and active mm. versus and and um, just relaxing in the sun. Sure, yeah. And I think you can relate to this, Will, because if I'm correct in saying you're like me, you're an adventure traveler. Yeah, absolutely. I don't do rest and relaxation very well. You and I love cities. Yeah mountains, all that stuff. When it comes to an all-inclusive on the beach doing nothing for three days, what what strikes you? Uh, I'm, I'm bored. Yeah, I'm definitely bored. I, I don't like it. What if you just had, uh, what if you just had eight days of intense hiking and very like stressful trails? Yeah, I would like that a lot more. Like to have a trip and experience some things yeah. and do some things that are adventurous and then just have that time to relax and just I've had, I've had so many couples sit at my desk and say, "We're it's either the maybe one spouse is saying, honestly, I just, I'm so stressed. I yeah. just want to relax in the sun for a week. Sure. And then the other spouse is saying, I don't like to just sit there and relax. Make sure <laughs> we go someplace that has stuff to do. Right. And then my mind's racing like, oh, what can we do here? And I think for the US that gets tougher and tougher. Absolutely. But I think we found a cool way to marry the two. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. I agree so with you. So I'm really excited to share what I call this Southwest trip itinerary. And as we get into the specifics of this 11-day itinerary, um, you're going to learn a lot more about what we did, why it was so special, and how you can make this come true. Yeah. And you were really excited about the cost for it too, weren't you? Absolutely. Steven, my friend and I did this whole trip for right around 1700 per person. Not and bad. that included flights, accommodations, as well as... Mm, rental car? Did you say rental car? Rental car as well. Um, not included in that is activities, excursions, meals, gasoline for the rental car, and souvenirs, obviously. So $1,700 per person is the base price. And I hope that that doesn't scare you away. This is a doable trip. Definitely. And from here... The reason we leave out meals is because people spend different amounts. Some people like ramen Absolutely. noodles in their hotel room. Yeah. Other people want to go to the El Tovar dining room in the Grand Canyon, which you'll hear about oh, on this yeah. trip. 
So it, 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 that's why 1700 is the base price. We can do an 11 day trip in the U S for that. And that includes three nights in Western Mexico at a beautiful all-inclusive resort. Perfect. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the timing before we get into defining words? Steven and I went in December. December, we love because it's chilly here in Northeast Ohio and it was warm there, yeah. uh, but it is off season. So if you're going in the summer, expect to pay maybe maybe 25 to 35% more and that's to be expected for yeah, peak, that's season the peak season travel. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, speaking of Steven, uh, we got a guest today, don't we? Hi guys. Thanks hey, for Steve. having me on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for being here, man. We're so happy to have you. I'm happy to be here. Steven's a fantastic travel buddy. I am very rigid in my planning. <laughs> I like things a certain way. No. Steve is, he's adventurous and he's very chill and go with the flow. So when I say, Steve, I really want to do this, he usually says, sure, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> but you also have good ideas and great research capabilities. Like you learned, you taught me about the Kaibab Trail and why we should do it. So I'm eager to hear your comments on the Kaibab Trail at the Grand Canyon. Loved it. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Let's get into our defining words. Let's do it. Here's three words to help you. Here's our defining words. With these three words, our goal is just kind of the bird's eye view of the trip, what really stuck out to us and what we're excited about. And so the first defining word is going to be the narrows. I'll say it again. The narrows. This is a hike within Zion National Park. And real quick, where is Zion National Park? It's in Southern Utah. Oh, okay. A quick shout out to Southern Utah. There's a YouTube video of a guy who wears an astronaut suit and films himself walking along different parts of the U.S. Oh. A majority of it comes from Southern Utah. It looks like the surface of Mars. It looks like you're walking on a foreign planet. Yeah. A lot of red rocks. Yeah. Yeah. And so driving through Southern Utah is an experience in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Wow. Don't look at the driving as something you have to do. Look at it as something you get to do. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. I enjoyed every drive. (laughs) Although you wish you had your Tesla so you didn't have to look at the road. (laughs) No, no, it's fine. Like uh, I was a passenger most of the time. So I got to look and we had a nice balance there. But um, Steve, can you explain how unique this hike is? The Narrows. I know you've never done a hike like like the Narrows. And so what what makes this hike so unique? (laughs) I've never done any avid hiking. Just like uh, really relaxed hiking in Cuyahoga. Valley National Park and right. uh, the Narrows is a, a bit of an undertaking. So, <laughs> yeah. Like how long do we spend? Six hours? Hiking? Oh yeah. Yeah. Morning to late afternoon. You're hiking through the mouth of the canyon where the river flows into Zion National Park. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's like you're hiking in the river half the time at least walking mm-hmm. up through these towering walls on either side of you that just get narrower and narrower as you go up the canyon. The wow. majority of the trip, your shins and below are underwater. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So this isn't your average trip. You need special gear. You do, yeah. To handle this. You can't just wear your like tennis shoes. Yeah, definitely. Like in the in the summer, you could probably get by with just some waterproof shoes. Right. Just the rental and then wear some shorts because nobody minds a little bit of warm water on their shins. But right. sure. we went in December. Right. And it was actually pretty cold in Zion. Like <laughs> the water was freezing. <laughs> yeah, we're thinking we're going south. It's going to be like I don't know, seventy and sunny. But like it no, was, it was, it was forties. We Did it drop out. in the thirties at night? Oh yeah, 
Yeah. yeah. And absolutely. then like uh highs of like maybe fifties, but when you're when you're in the canyon and like in the shade of being between a couple of sheer walls of rock, it gets pretty chilly. We've talked about this before with our Sedona podcast when mm-hmm. we talk about the just how much of a difference it is from day to night. Yeah, in definitely. the temperature. Yeah, how the we, climate can change. Well, I remember quick. the one night I ran out to the car to grab something, and it said nineteen degrees. <laughs> yeah, and you can see your breath, yeah. <laughs> like you know it's freezing like cold. Nineteen. Yeah. So, uh, but no, in the daytime it was it was much nicer. Obviously, once the sun came up. Mm-hmm. So, what kind of equipment do you need to go through in the Narrows? Well, what we rented um, was just waterproof pants. So they have, uh, they're waterproof. They have like a rubber cuff at the ankles right. and then a rubber waistband that you can cinch really tight. So okay. if you were to somehow trip and fall in the river and get your upper body wet or something like that, your your legs would stay dry. Sure. And then we rented waterproof shoes. They're right. not really waterproof, but they're they're more of like a wetsuit material. Right. Okay. So water can get in them, but don't don't freak heat, out. Don't yeah. freak out when you feel a little water in your shoe. It's okay. It's well insulated, so right. your body heat will transfer to the water, and then it will stay like warm water. So your toes might get a little raisin raisiny after a few hours. But <laughs> that's a good point. We <laughs> went to bad. there's a couple different um, rental places. You don't need advanced reservations. At least we did it in December, which is off season. But we went to Zion Outfitter, which is right before the entrance to Zion National Park. Okay. And, and to get into Zion National Park, there is a fee of $30. We'll go over those fees and, and why the um, annual pass is a better deal later in the show. But um, just to make that clear, just before the entrance, Zion Outfitter, Steve and I rented the dry pants package, right around 50 bucks a piece for the day. Yep. Not it, bad. Yeah, you, you want to go early. We 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 got there early. We noticed there were like maybe ten people coming right as we were leaving. So, but it it took a good ten to fifteen minutes to get the gear on. Yeah, it's very tight, very good. Mm-hmm. But, it's a good thing. And I think a lot of people. Uh, I had the same question when I went up to the gear rental office, and I heard other people asking the same question. There, they went up asking for more of like a coveralls bib outfit, which right. they do offer as well. And you think, well, you could be getting into waist high water while you're doing this hike. So you might want, you know, a bib that comes all the way up to the chest. The problem with that was if you fall in with the bib on, water can go into the bib and all the way down your legs and just soak you. And then you're soaked the rest of the way. So they highly recommended people just do the waterproof pants because those are sealed at the top and at the ankles. Yeah, that sounds a lot better. Did you guys have to park and then go on like a hike to get to the Narrows or was there like a parking lot like right next to the Narrows? Uh, it was a bit of a hike. So okay. a parking parking okay. lot and then kind of a pleasant stroll. Half a mile. Okay. Yeah, Not it was bad. half a mile from the parking lot to um, the Narrows entrance. Yeah. We got lucky we did get a parking space. It was starting to fill up where you'd have to park further away, but not a big deal. Yeah, and I think even in the main season, there's times where you have to actually park more towards the front of the park and actually shuttle back in yes, there because yes, parking yes. is such a big challenge. So sure, glad you brought sure. that up because that is a big deal. In the summer, in the peak season months, I want to say around May to November, October, they do run a shuttle, um, which I believe is included with the entry fee to the park. But they, yeah, you park at the main visitor center and the shuttle runs every so often uh, pretty frequently to drop you off at different points, different trailheads. But we really want to just make this clear how much we enjoy the Narrows. So beautiful. It's like walking through, uh, 
I don't know, just like a crevice of a giant canyon and every corner you turn, there's kind of a new look to it. It's really pretty outstanding. Yeah. So do the narrows. Really cool experience of walking in the river too. Yeah. Like you might be wading through ankle deep water or it could be up to almost your waist mm-hmm. and you're walking on these like large, smooth stones too. So your footing's yeah. a little bit unstable. Definitely need the walking stick with right. the rental. Yeah. Cool hiking experience. I haven't had anything like that before. Yeah, yeah. You will sleep well that night too. Definitely. Yeah, it's a workout for sure. So you need special equipment to do it, at least in the winter time. So you need to pay for that if you don't have that. You have to pay to get into Zion, right? Because it's a national park. Right. It's 30 bucks to get in. However, um, yeah, that's part of our tips. Our tip is going to be to buy the 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 pass for all national parks for 80 bucks and that will grab you uh, everything. So I I appreciate you bringing that up. Um so after the after uh we were at Zion, we hit up Bryce Canyon, Lake Powell and then we came over to the Grand Canyon for our next defining word, the Kaibab Trail. This was the most memorable point of the trip. Steve and I went from the top of the Grand Canyon all the way to the bottom. We put our own hands in the Colorado River, and then we hiked back to the top all in one day. And Steve, the guidebooks told us not to do it. It did. It was a leg burner for sure. (laughs) Our our server at the restaurant told us, nope, don't do it all in one day. That is a big mistake. Yep. After he looked us up and down, sizing us up to make sure... (laughs) He's like, you guys can't do that. <laughs> Pretty much everyone we came in contact with on the trail was like, oh, you're going down and up in one day? No, big mistake. Yeah. <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> Get we it. Well, <laughs> get some. There were people going up and down who've done it before. That's a good point. We weren't the only ones. But those are like avid hikers. Like you- we're not necessarily, I would say that we're not avid hikers. We're in decent shape. Sure. But we're not like crazy good shape i mean you used to run marathons back in the day it's been a while right, right, right. and i played soccer in high school but that doesn't count for anything when you're 35 <laughs> I, did you feel a little bit of stress that oh shoot we gotta hike up this before the sun goes down because we don't want to die definitely yeah especially with the temperature change oh, like yeah. during the day with the sun out the temperature was perfect for hiking it was like 50s when you got lower down into the canyon it was maybe 60s 70 and then nice right. nice warm sun but you know that after the sun goes down in december in the grand canyon yeah. it's going to get pretty cold at night <laughs> basically in, in later on in the show for our tips we are going to talk about how on earth do you pack how do you pack a backpack to hike the grand canyon and what if you're staying overnight as well in the grand canyon i mean these are really good tips to have, but all we want to say now for our defining words is the Kai Bob Trail was amazing. Incredible. And I feel it's you really can't, and I hope our, our videos will will do the the trail justice. You you can't explain just how beautiful the Grand Canyon is. It was your first time. What were your thoughts with the first time at the Grand Canyon? Incredible, breathtaking. Yeah. Uh I've seen it in pictures. Right. So when you walk up to the rim of it and you look out over the Grand Canyon, it's recognizable from things that you've seen in the past. Sure. To actually walk down into it and experience how big it is, it's hard to take that in in one image when you're just looking over the edge of it. But when you're actually 
step by step going down, you realize this is pretty big. <laughs> it doesn't seem real. No. I, like it seems like it's some sort of like hologram almost. Like it just doesn't like my eyes couldn't perceive the depths of it. And I just like this just doesn't seem real at all. Yeah. It's like my brain got confused. Like uh I have no reference of depth perception for how big this is. So yeah. I'm just gonna take it in as like a an image, a single and I, image. <laughs> and I think to prove just how special it was, Steve and I did not FaceTime friends and family the entire trip, except when we got to the Grand Canyon. Oh, and true. it was like, mm. we didn't even plan it. Our phones just came out. And we're like, I, I just want to FaceTime someone. They need to see this. Mm-hmm, it's, sure. You can't, I can't explain it on a podcast. It, it's true. It's unexplainable yeah. on the podcast. And it's not just because there's zero cell phone reception in the Narrows. <laughs> <laughs> right. We would have loved to face that. Yeah, it would have been good for that too. Yeah. <laughs> Our third defining word is relaxing in Cabo. So we treated ourselves to three nights at an all-inclusive resort, the Hyatt Ziva to be specific, in Cabo. Got a great deal in December. And uh, I, it was my first time to Cabo coming here from, from the Midwest. We have lots of deals to Cancun. Mm-hmm. And so I've been to Cancun three times. I've never been to other parts of Mexico, specifically the West Coast. Same. What makes the West Coast of Mexico so special is it's surrounded by mountains. So that's beautiful. Wow. And you get the sunset on the Pacific. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I will say the waves are probably a little bit, a little bit bigger than the Cancun where the Gulf is. Um, But I was impressed. The sand was still beautiful, and you were able to go in the water. Yeah. Not many people were. It's pretty cold in December. Yeah. We had highs of 75, not 85, 75. So it was great and warm during the day when the sun's on you. But in the evening, it dropped to about 60, so you needed a jacket. Yeah, which is perfect if you want to dress up a little bit to go out to dinner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. And then during the day... 75 in Ohio right. is warm, but it's not like you want to like take your shirt off right. and catch some rays necessarily. Right. The Mexican sun, oh, that's yeah. special. 75 <laughs> of like equator, closer to the equator, Mexican sun, that feels warm. El Sol de Mexicana. Si, yes, es muy bien. Yeah, it's perfect weather for the beach where you're not sweating too much, but you're enjoying the heat. But it was like the... The margaritas that were brought to us on the beach when we had our toes in the sand all day, it was so much more special because we had just done eight days of pretty intense hiking. I agree. Still sore from the Grand Canyon. <laughs> Still sore from the Grand Canyon. Yeah. <laughs> so sore. Mm-hmm. Made it all the better. Yeah, it was so special. So that's why I love this idea of a compromise, how you could have adventure and relaxation in the same trip. So I'm eager to dive into each piece of it. Uh, but will let's let's transition to our highs and lows of the trip. Sometimes things are good, sometimes they're bad too. It's highs, lows, highs, lows coming to you. First high of the trip was uh, the the Kaibab Trail at the Grand Canyon. So I really we talked about how special the Grand Canyon is, but we want to talk about the trails because it's a little bit overwhelming, right? So let me it is first really just, overwhelming. Let me give a little background. You have. Um, the Grand Canyon is very different than any other national park that I've been to in that there's a west rim, a south rim, and a north rim. Right. First off, the north rim was closed. It's really just the way the way it was explained to us. It's mostly for locals. Tourists really don't go to the north rim. Normally, right, yeah. So 
pretty much the the hotels, the tours, the guides, they're they're going to be stationed in the South Rim or the West Rim. Right. So which one do you go to? Because they're four hours apart by car. I want to say that again. It's huge. The West Rim and the South Rim are four hours apart by car. It's insane, right? Right. The West Rim is great if you're in Vegas. You can do a day trip to the West Rim and the West Rim is where they have the Skywalk. Yeah, I think it's like an hour and a half to two hours away from Vegas. Correct. So it's a great day trip. Um, And then if you're in Arizona... Uh, where you're doing Sedona and Phoenix, you would go to the South Rim. It would be kind of ridiculous to go to the West Rim. It would just be really far. Absolutely. Um, I think a lot of the highlights from the Grand Canyon are coming from the Southern Rim. I would agree. There's also just a few more, there's a lot more accommodations in the Southern Rim and quite a few more activities. But if you really had your heart set on the Skywalk, the Skywalk is on the West Rim, and that's where there's the glass walkway that you walk over, look straight down, and you're standing over your death. Right. Yeah. It's very expensive, too, for well, what it is. How there's, is it really? There's yeah, helicopter rides like above. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we got to talk about our helicopter ride, too, later. Um, however... Steven, tell us about the Kaibab Trail. Why did you choose the Kaibab Trail, and would you do something differently next time? Um, yeah, so for from the rim that we were on, is it the West Rim? Yeah. Help me out. Oh, I'm sorry. We were on the South Rim. We were on the South, south Rim. rim. Yeah. Okay, South Rim. So from the South Rim, there's two trails that you could go on. You could go take the South Kaibab Trail down, or Correct. you could take uh, Bright Angel. Bright Angel Trail. That's yeah. right, yeah. So some people will go down one and come up the other or vice versa. Um, I, I picked the South Kaibab Trail because it was the shorter of the two. It seemed more manageable, although the elevation change on both of them is pretty similar. Okay. So even if you go on the Bright Angel Trail, it's a little bit longer distance wise, but your your elevation change is kind of spread out over a longer distance. So it might not be quite as strenuous. Based on the time of year that we went makes a lot of a difference to the South Kaibab Trail is a lot more exposed. There's less shade. There's less shielding from wind. So if you're going in the dead heat of summer, it's maybe a little bit more difficult trail to go on. Uh, it doesn't have any water stations. Has a couple of kind of outhouse type bathrooms, but um, no like fill you, fill up your water bottle. So you have to pack all of the water that, and food that you're going to drink and eat on the way down and right. on the way back up. And so you got to. Keep that all in maybe one backpack. And so you got to be careful about what's in that backpack. Make sure that you have enough food and water. It's a pretty strenuous hike. So you need thousands of calories. So yeah, you <laughs> yeah. pack some snacks. Yeah, definitely got to yeah. get high calorie snacks. Right. And you're going to go through probably, it wasn't even that hot when we did it, but we went through three liters of water a piece. Uh, yeah. Is that about right? Wow. And if yeah. you went in the summer when you were sweating, you'd obviously need more than more of that. Because it gets hotter as you go further down the trail. It as does. You get closer to the oh, Colorado. Yeah. yeah. We started off pretty early in the morning. I had a winter jacket. I had earmuffs. You did. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Was it like 30 degrees at the top of the rim? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 30, 40, something like that. Really? And then a, a t-shirt at the bottom. Yeah. A t-shirt yeah. and kind of sweating too. Sweating with the t-shirt at the bottom. Yeah. And we got our base tan for uh Cabo for later. Too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. On the so, way back up, we started adding more layers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Wow. I think I had my winter jacket on at the very top. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So it's difficult to pack for. 
So it is. How long did it take you guys to do it? Because they recommend they recommend don't do this in one day because right. of the extreme temperature right. differences, the elevation change, right. all these different factors. Yeah, sure. The it's, recommendation is you hike to the bottom on day one. Mm-hmm. You bring a tent. You spend the night. Right. And then you hike up the next day. Right. Yeah. And there is even there's another campsite on the way up the Bright Angel Trail. So you could go down in one day, camp at the base down by the Colorado River, and then make it a two-day trip back up if you want to spread it out a little bit more. If you're not quite as you know in good shape or athletic and you need to kind of take it easy a little bit more, that can break it up a little bit more for you to make it more manageable. Sure. So did, how long did it take you guys? Like a, eight hours or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, eight hours mm-hmm. total. Yeah. So the, the one thing with Kaibab trail is there were not, uh, water, there were not water stops on the Kaibab trail. Right. There were no places to fill up your water. Wow. That's okay. different yeah, than that Bright be... Angel. Yeah. Bright Angel we hear was, it, it, it mean, I don't know. I can't speak on Bright Angel cause we didn't do it, but there were water stops. So a tip we have is the idea of going down the Kaibab Trail using your own water, expecting mm-hmm. to kind of run out, so to speak, when you get to the bottom. That way you're not taking three liters like we did. Then on the way up, you can use Bright Angel as a filling point for your empty water bottles. Yeah, Gotcha. Yeah, like that, that would be uh, a little stressful. <laughs> I mean, the only <laughs> thing I have, it, have to compare it to is uh, one of the hikes we did in Tennessee. And I remember... We ran out of water real quick, like on the way yeah. up, and yeah. it was a struggle without yeah. water for sure. Yeah. I can't imagine how difficult it would be at the Grand right. Canyon. Yeah, a little pro tip would be that before the Kaibab Trail, um, Steve and I stay at the Yavapai Lodge in the Grand Canyon, which is inside the Grand Canyon, um, just a five-minute walk from the Overlook. However, uh, there is this little, It's called I think it's called the General Store in the Grand Canyon. Think of it like a supermarket and... Um, we grabbed sandwiches. Um, what else did we grab at that general store? Lots of like granola bars and whatnot. Cinnamon so rolls. We were well fueled. Plenty yeah. of carbs. Energy bars. A lot of energy to get us through this. Don't do the trail without it. Next high of the trip was Bryce Canyon. And where's Bryce Canyon? We're going back to Zion, right? Or still, it's yeah. a different national park, isn't it? Still in southern Utah. It's mm-hmm. a different national park okay. than Zion. It's about an an hour, uh, an hour and a half from okay. Zion to Bryce, and that's a gorgeous drive. By the way, have your camera ready when you're sure, driving from sure. Zion to Bryce. Sure. So break it down for me. You guys, you guys landed in St. George, and right. then you made your way on to Zion. You did right. the Narrows, and Correct. then did you go to another place to stay for a few days no, to do stayed. Bryce? Uh, no, we spent, so we spent two nights, my, my goal, and I know I've talked about this in other podcasts. My goal is to never just do one night stays. Right. I always say do a two night stay minimum. It takes Definitely. too long to check in and check out, and unpack your bag and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we did two nights in Zion so we could do the narrows upon checking out. Mm-hmm. We drove to Bryce as just a day trip. I don't recommend Bryce is so gorgeous. It's so important, but I don't think you need to stay in Bryce. Okay. I agree. You can just do Bryce in the morning and then continue on to Lake Powell where we stayed for two more nights. Yeah. And I would say even for Zion that we could have done another day. Right. Because there's another iconic hike there called, called Angel's Landing. Angel's Landing. It's, it's even more well known by some than the Narrows. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that more in detail later. Um, 
later on in the show. Okay, perfect. That's our tip. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, we have a tip to do the Angel's Landing. So if you're like, why haven't they talked about Angel's Landing? It's because we didn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we wanted to. So Never, many regrets. <laughs> don't you love it when you're traveling? This, oh, you went there, so did you do this? No, we didn't. It's like someone who went to Italy and didn't see the Colosseum yeah, for the rest you of doing? your life. People are going to say, oh, did you do the Colosseum? No. Yeah. <laughs> Guess we have to go back. I know. Yeah, yeah, nothing wrong with that. So what makes Bryce Canyon so special? Why was it a high for you? It's like you're on the moon. It's like you're in a foreign planet. You've Your eyes can't really comprehend what you're looking at. Okay. When you park and you're walking up to it, you, your expectations aren't that great. And then when you get to it, you're... You just stop. You're like, what am I looking at? Yeah, it looks otherworldly. And it's a little bit of a misnomer, too, because it's not actually a canyon. It's more of like a natural amphitheater. Yeah. Interesting. And it has all these cool rock formations that jut up. Right. Hoot hoots? Hootoos. You remember? Hootoos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very good, Steve. I yeah. totally forgot that. I don't know. I had to refresh myself on the old Wikipedia before it's, this podcast. <laughs> it's all bright orange, too. Yeah. <laughs> It's like I, I, you just can't explain it. Mm-hmm. it you, you, there's these two little um, lookouts, great for panoramics, and you, you just got to go up to the lookout and the sunrise lookout. I want to say, and yeah. sunset lookout. Uh, yeah, sunrise, sunset. And so there is a trail which we recommend. Mm-hmm. Uh, shoot, was it called the Sun Sunrise Trail? Yeah, I think the first one was, and then back up the way back up to the sunset. Lookout yeah. point was the Navajo. And ah, oh, nice. And so that was our pro tip. Do like we did. Mm-hmm. Just the way the trail's laid out, it's a loop, right? But it's really important you start at sunrise Definitely. point. Definitely. Yeah. And you end at sunset point. Yeah. You just have to trust us. And once you do it, you'll understand why we're saying that. Yeah. It has a lot to do with the views. The views. So the views, if you were to start at sunset point and go down the Navajo, right. it's a lot of switchbacks and kind of a narrow canyon, and there's yeah. not a lot of panoramic views. No, of it's one view, whole, and it's not a lot to see. Yeah, yeah. it's like, yeah, it's not that And great. when you're going down is when you get all your views. When you're going yeah. up, you're just like, oh, when am I going to be done? <laughs> right, yeah. How Was it 500 feet of elevation change, or was it more than that? I think it was about 500 Good question. feet. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I... I I seem to remember that sticking out to me. So mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like a lot, but yeah. it is a bit strenuous. Right. Okay. Uh, if you, I would put it probably like a six out of 10 as far as like strenuous hikes go. Sure. So you do need uh, the pass to get in, which is $30. However, okay. if you've spent 80 and then you get all the national parks. And so definitely buy it for $80 and then you get Grand Canyon, Bryce, Zion, and whatever other national parks you want to do. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, other than that, we did pack a lunch. Oh, yeah. And that was uh, little peanut butter sandwiches and granola bars, and that was great for halfway through. That we could nice. stop and enjoy the bottom of it. Yep. And then after we did the Sunrise to Sunset Trail, there was one other oh, thing we yeah. did where we, we drove all the way back through as far back as you could into Bryce Canyon mm-hmm. for one more, a few more lookouts. Yeah. It, it, it took probably 30 minutes to get there, then 30 minutes to get back to continue on. And you and I were somewhat impressed. Somewhat. <laughs> so it was like, it was a little we, bit underwhelming. Did we need yeah. to do this. I think that the sunrise point, sunset point, and the trails that we did were fantastic. Yeah. Those are Bryce Canyon in yes. a nutshell. Yes. But to drive all the way to the end of the Bryce Canyon Park to, to was it the, the Pinecone Trail? 
mm. or something pine, something bristle you. cone, bristle Ray- cone loop. Yeah, and in Rainbow Point and Rainbow Point. Yeah, yeah. those were not as. Yeah, it, it was like <laughs> it was nice. Did we need it? There's no. so much to see. Did we need it? And the answer is not really. No, and we also didn't need the extra hour of driving that day to drive there <laughs> and drive okay, back because it a is a big driving day. day. Like yeah. you're going an hour and a half from Zion National Park to Bryce, right? And breaking then, it up, having lunch there, and then and it's then a couple more two hours. and a half hours to Lake Powell. Which yeah. We'll get to, yeah, and if you're driving from Bristlecone uh, <laughs> Loop, it three could be like hours. three hours to Powell. <laughs> wow, <laughs> two and a half is more manageable. <laughs> So did you guys spend kind of like a half day yeah. at Bryce then? Yeah. So you're able to really get a lot. Got there around 10 a.m., left around 2 p.m. That's really day. solid. Yeah, that's really solid. Stop for lunch. That way when we got to Lake Powell, we were ready for dinner. Yeah. And our last high, wow, we have so many highs. Our last high is um, relaxing in Cabo. All right. So just like the defining word, what what made that like so so much of a high? Why did you choose Cabo over Cancun? So we were already in the west coast we're in the southwest of the u.s so what's great about that is from phoenix there are multiple flights per day from phoenix to cabo sure cabo you have the sunsets you have the mountains you have activities and it's very safe so you're expected to go out into town go see the town of cabo go to the harbor walk around you're going to see families with children what's special about cabo is that and we were we really don't get political on this podcast. Why is it so safe? We'll leave that up to interpretation of who keeps it safe. <laughs> there are multiple theories we won't get into. We're just going to tell you that Steve and I felt very safe yeah. in Cabo walking As around two the town. grown men in excellent physical condition, <laughs> we felt safe walking together. Right, right. But, but, but my three other proofs were that we saw families with small children walking. Um, we also saw open air shops and restaurants. Um, and why I say open air, like you, it's not like there's a bodyguard or security person who's like keeping you out. Like, no, you just sure. walk right in. And then lastly, I saw apartment units in the bottom floor, no bars on windows and just like a, a patio that you could walk right in or right out. I thought, wow, aren't they nervous that someone could walk right in and just shatter that? Um, sliding glass window and break in. And it's like, no, no, it's safe. Did they have uh, security guards at the resort? Like when you go to uh, Cancun, Maya sure. Riviera, sure. there's security guards on the border and everything? They did just to make sure that you are a, um, an actual guest at the property. Sure, sure. Okay. So, but I, yeah, I would just say when you go to Cabo, spend time on the beach, yes, but also explore Cabo go into town, go see, uh, go to the harbor. Most all-inclusive resorts are just a quick 10 or 15-minute taxi ride away from that. And uh, definitely check out, there's two places in Cabo we recommend, which we didn't do. <laughs> one's called Cabo Wabo, and the other one's called Mikasa. Cabo Wabo is the famous like rock, kind of think of it like a hard rock cafe somewhat, where there's live musicians. Some famous person owns it. There's a guitarist i don't actually something uh shoot lou something and then mikasa is a like a really good um fish taco type uh restaurant so when we went there unfortunately it was closed kind of a funny story there in that we went at 12 p.m it doesn't open till 4 p.m but they accidentally left the door unlocked so steve and i walked in and there were lots of mexican statues staring at us and the lights were off and it was really creepy (laughs) But we got out and uh, 
relaxing in Cabo for three nights was the perfect end of the trip before flying home. So highly recommend it. I'm really curious, like, what did you think of the all-inclusive resort? Because as someone who has been to a few of them, like, finding a good one is just so pleasant. Because if you have a bad all-inclusive resort, it can really put a damper on your trip. Absolutely. I'm always going to use things like TripAdvisor to look at reviews and who stayed there and be very careful on TripAdvisor. Um, and I say that we could do a whole episode on TripAdvisor. Just just take every review with a grain of salt. Um, but but some are, are, are very good. I would just say this. We stayed at the Hyatt Ziva. It is family friendly. It's all inclusive. I was impressed with the was impressed with the rooms, impressed with the beach, impressed with the sand, impressed with the giant pool, impressed with the food and um, service. You can't go wrong with that resort. It's it's fantastic. Cool. Yeah, that's good to hear. Yeah, I've been to several all inclusive resorts where the food was a little bit anticlimactic, but yeah. I would say that the Hyatt Ziva was kind of a little bit higher up as far as quality goes for right. all-inclusive resorts. We were pretty happy with it. Exactly. Quick tip, when you're looking at Hyatt's all-inclusive, there's always the Hyatt Ziva, and there's usually a Hyatt Zalara. Ziva is family-friendly. The way we remember it in the travel industry is Ziva is shorter than the word Zalara. When you think of short, think short people like children. So Ziva means family-friendly. Hyatt Zalara means adults only, 18 and over. Hey, that's a good tip. Ready to talk about our lows, Steve? Sure. Yeah. All right. Our first low of the trip was you and I met up. You flew from Columbus, Ohio. I flew from Cleveland. We met in Denver for our flight over to little tiny St. George, Utah airport. Perfect. <laughs> when we got there, we were we were excited. We went to pick up our SUV to find out that... They had no more SUVs left, and we were going to be given a Dodge Caravan. Yeah, it's super cool for a couple of single guys <laughs> cruising the Southwest. So you were very kind. You upgraded us to a Cadillac <laughs> crossover. Well, we needed it. We needed it. The problem is with such a small airport, inventory is going to be less. So you have the more likely chance of the rental car company saying, ah, we're really sorry, we don't have the car that you reserved. You'll always run into that in a smaller a smaller airport or a smaller rental car station. Right. Yeah. When there's a higher inventory, there's a better chance they have the car you reserved. So I would say, while I think St. George, Utah is a great place to start your trip for this itinerary, be careful and, and be wary that inventory can be an issue. Yeah. And on top, oh, go ahead, Steve. Sorry. Oh, you're good. Um, so if you wanted to do this trip and start at a bigger airport where you could maybe have more selection of rental car, you could start up in Salt Lake and you could drive down. It's a bit of a drive, but you could hit Arches National Park and there's some other very cool parks in the middle that you could uh, experience on your way down to Zion. Absolutely. You could probably even ski. Could you ski in December up in uh, northern Utah? You can, yeah. But yeah, the powder is not going to be as fresh as, say, January or February. Yeah, it gets better a little bit later in the season. Got but it. You definitely have some. So you could make this a ski trip, potentially. You could, yeah. Okay. The Alta Snowbird Little Cottonwood Canyons are always <laughs> getting snow. So they go. get it pretty early. They get the champagne powder. What more could you ask for? I knew you would take a bite on the ski. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's the bait. Right. Bite the hook. <laughs> there it is. Huge fan. Next low. Unfortunately, it was with the rental car, and this is just a necessary evil when doing a sweet itinerary, and that is the one-way drop fee with rental cars. And what is that? When you pick up a car at a rental car 
destination and you drop it off at another destination, you're screwing up their inventory, right? It is sure. a logistical nightmare when you have people who are picking it up in one place and dropping it off in another. That's why generally they want you to do a round trip rental, okay? And it's crazy. And you start looking at one way drop fees in foreign countries, like picking up a car in France and dropping it off in Germany. It gets insane. I would love to share about that in a later episode. But um, when you can at least pick up a, like a car in a similar state and drop it off, the drop off fee should be a little less. I'm thinking maybe somewhere in the realm of 40 to 60 bucks. Okay. We picked it up in Southern Utah. We dropped it off in Phoenix, which is in Arizona. So our one way drop off fee was. I would say it was over $100, which is just annoying. But again, it's a necessary evil for doing a trip where you're not looping back to the... Okay, so just keep that in mind. Keep it in mind. And then our last low was that we really couldn't enjoy Sedona because we were so sore from the Grand Canyon. That's a bummer. Yeah, it was quite a hike going all the way down and back up in one day. For the Grand Canyon, right. For the Grand Canyon, yeah. And so when we got to Sedona, we were just... We didn't do Sedona justice. No. Sure. There's several iconic hikes there that you guys have talked about on a right. different podcast, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's right. Just couldn't experience them. Our biggest thing was just sit in a Jeep and go, uh, go for a little ride. <laughs> yeah, we did a pink Jeep tour, which is a lot of fun. That's right. It's kind of an ab workout. Yeah. <laughs> but what we're getting at is after you've done the strenuous Grand Canyon, give yourself a rest day. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Might take a couple of days, honestly. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of uh there's a lot of great spas in Sedona. You could you could, you know, have a spa day. That's a good idea. Yeah. I could have used a spa day. <laughs> if we could have done three or four nights in Sedona versus just mm-hmm. two, we could have had the rest day, plus we could have gotten to do some trails in Sedona. Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. You might have to if you really want to do the iconic hikes of Sedona, like yeah. the Cathedral Rock and Right, right. Yeah, I just remember getting out of the Jeep and my legs were so sore, and my calves were t- so tight that I had to walk on my toes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah. tiptoeing around on these boulders. Right. right. <laughs> you could never do a full hike like that. <laughs> well, to get from Bryce to the Grand Canyon, I wasn't willing to do the drive in a full day. We stopped in a town called Lake Powell. You'll find it on the map as a nice halfway point between Bryce and the Grand Canyon. What on earth is Lake Powell? What's there to do? This town I have never even heard of, and I want to talk about it in our tips. Tips from the travel agents. So, Steve, we spent two nights in Lake Powell, Arizona. Yeah. What was the name of the town that we were in? Um, Page. Page, that's right. Page, Arizona. That's where you have lots of hotels. Yeah. So that's probably where you'll stay when you're Mm -hmm. looking at accommodations, and that's fine. Yep. There are two main draws to um, to Lake Powell, that is Horseshoe Bend and Antelope Canyon. Let's start with Horseshoe Bend. Okay. What did you think? Horseshoe Bend is a cool must-do. It's very easy hike. Yeah. It's about a half a mile. That's it. You go park your car, you walk down about a half-mile trail, yeah. and then you're greeted with this huge, breathtaking canyon. Right. It's a 1,000 feet deep. Yeah. And I don't know how many miles across. Yeah. But it's so big that it's hard to even wrap your head around. Yeah. Like, how big is this? Yeah. You look down. We looked down and we saw a boat. And I was like, Brian, that's a boat. And you're like, there's no way. I thought it was a remote control boat. Yeah, like a little toy boat. But it yeah. was, it was actual a, when, boat. when I could finally <laughs> sense there was someone casting a fishing line off of it, I was like, oh, no, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. I think I looked at it for like five seconds. I yeah. looked at the canyon. Yeah. 
at Horseshoe Bend. Yeah. And my brain finally just came to the conclusion, I don't understand what this is that I'm right. looking at because right. it's too big yeah. for me to say that it's real. Yeah. So I just got a little dizzy and then had to step back. <laughs> so quick notes on Horseshoe Bend. You only need about one hour to one and a half hours total. So you don't don't spend your whole day there. Um, it is ten dollars to get in and park. It does not. It's not covered by your national park pass. All right. So it's not owned by the national parks, but it's not expensive. It was like five dollars for parking. No, the whole whole thing was ten bucks. Ten bucks. Okay. It got you in and it got you parked. Mm-hmm. So it's not covered by the national park pass. Yeah, it's not a national park. It's inexpensive though. But the trail is easy. So easy. You could do it with tennis shoes. We saw elderly people doing it as well. Mm-hmm. And the payoff is grand because the view is gorgeous. Yeah. It was definitely worth it. Some people refer to it as the East Rim of the Grand Canyon. <laughs> oh, yeah. cool. I don't know. Like, it's I, that yeah. grand. There you go. It's very big. And then the next thing with... Lake Powell is Antelope Canyon. Oh, man. I'm so disappointed to say Stephen and I did not get to do this. At the time, there was somewhat of a pandemic going on, so it was closed. (laughs) Yeah. uh, We wanted to do that, too, and we went to Sedona. And the reason why we couldn't was uh, the Navajo Nation. It's a Navajo Nation. Um, We're not allowing anyone in due to COVID. So uh, for both of us, when we went on our trips, uh, yeah. COVID was still happening and uh, Navajo Nation was not allowing any visitors into Antelope Canyon. So let's just be very clear. On this Southwest trip, there were two things we wish we would have done. So if they're open and you can do them, do them. Listen closely. In Zion, it's Angel's Landing. In Lake Powell, it's Antelope Canyon. We don't have, we can't touch on them because we didn't do them. All we can say is we so wish we would have done them and they have sort of been plaguing us since we did since we've been there because so many people have brought them up or maybe we're noticing them more online and people posting pictures and videos because we didn't get to do it sure and we'll have this information in the travel guide as well and if you like spending time on a lake, Lake Powell is a great recreational spot to go to. You can rent Ooh, a boat okay. and go out. Yeah. I think it's the second largest man-made by by dam lake in the United States, uh, second only to Lake Mead. Oh, but sometimes okay. with how much water they take from Lake Mead for agricultural purposes and drinking water and whatnot, Lake Mead's level drops below the level of Lake Powell. So Lake Powell is occasionally the largest man-made lake in the United States. That's interesting. And it's very cool uh, scenery around it too. There's mountains kind of jutting up. Would you call them mountains or would you say they're more like canyon walls? I mean, some red yes. and orange rocks. Both. and yeah. Not quite as tall as mountains. No. But the just the whole theme here is red rock. You know, mm-hmm. I know we talked about that in our Sedona podcast, but... You don't get tired of seeing it. It's so beautiful. Yeah. I have friends who have been going out to Lake Powell every year and renting a boat, and then they spend just like a week hanging out on the lake. So that's definitely a possible itinerary item in and of itself, although we didn't experience too much of it besides just driving around and looking at it. Yeah. We'll say in Lake Powell, just a quick little food tip, there we, we got lunch at the Birdhouse it was oh, just so, so good. good. <laughs> Some fried really chicken. Really hit the spot. 
fried chicken, all the sides, yeah. a lot of drink options, so many sauces. Oh my gosh. Oh, what I was still the honey think glaze on it? Some kind of honey <laughs> yeah, something? Get the honey glaze. Ooh. I think there was some <laughs> sriracha in it as well. Yeah, sure. I'm just saying, not to talk it up too much because it's not a fancy restaurant. It's yeah. definitely like a fast food place, but quality but, was legit. Yeah. Even people who want the fine dining experience can appreciate it. And oh, yeah. If you want the cheap meal, like you're going to love it as well. Probably 10 bucks a piece. Easy. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, nice. Bad. Let's head over to the Grand Canyon for some tips there. I want to talk about the Grand Canyon and this trail. And uh, Steve, I know you have some tips for people who are trying to figure out how on earth do I pack? What do I do? What do I buy beforehand? And how on earth? Like, it's just so overwhelming to grasp the Grand Canyon. We went to the South Rim, where we, which we recommend. We stayed at a hotel called the Yavapai Lodge, which we also recommend. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's nice. It's, it's simple. A three star accommodation. Yes. You are not there for the accommodations, though. You're, you're a there five for minute the walk. Sure, you're a five sure. minute walk from the trail. Yeah, perfect location for yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. So, tell us a bit about the Grand Canyon and your tips for doing it. So, I think like one of the big things with the Grand Canyon that you guys really uh, wanted to do. Well, okay, I, I guess Brian was talking about really like he hadn't he hadn't clipped his toenails. And he wished <laughs> yeah. that he had because when you go down that trail for so long, there's so much impact on your toes mm -hmm. and you start to develop these bruises on your toes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it can be painful. Yeah, definitely with your toes jamming into the inside of your boot at, with every step down the Grand Canyon. Yeah. If you're prone to ingrown toenails too, that could be a problem. Sure, sure. You so might find those a little aggravated after your hike. Yeah. So this is like a general hiking tip. If you're going to go on a strenuous hike or what a, a hike that you think might be strenuous, clip your toenails. It does make a difference. It sounds really weird. It sounds like a odd tip, but uh, really try it out and uh, <laughs> you'll, you'll thank us really. Yep. Good advice. And I, I you know, one of the things too, like we keep mentioning angels landing and I'm going to take this moment real quick to just kind of pivot back into angels landing because okay. we haven't really talked about angels landing. We keep we mentioning yeah. it. And yeah, this is one of the items that we said you can't miss. If you have the opportunity to do it, do it. But you guys did not have the opportunity to do it. Right. Well, I'm not even sure if we knew about it. Okay. So I don't know if it was closed and we weren't allowed to do it or if we just didn't know. Like I think when Brian put the trip together, we heard so much about the Narrows. We're like, okay, we have to do that. Right. Yeah. So we did that. Um, and then it was afterwards that we were doing kind of Google searches to learn more about Zion National Park when we discovered this Angels Landing hike, which to some people is more well-known and more popular than the Narrows hike. Okay. It's, uh, how would you describe it? Yeah. So from what I've looked at it, um, quick side note, it could be a lot, it could be a lot of hiking if you incorporate this into the trip that you guys did too, mm -hmm. because this is a pretty extensive hike. Um, it is very high and there has actually been 13 deaths on this trail since 2000. Yeah. So it's not, it's not a easy trail. It's not even a moderate trail. It's pretty high end up there on terms of trails, but what it offers is these really amazing views and you actually have to clip in at the top. Um, it's paved and then it gets to a point where you have to clip in onto um, these metal loops 
uh, to secure yourself on top of the trail. So the, the, the cause of these deaths have been people just falling off the trail, really. Yeah. And so if you want to do this all the way to the top of Angel's Landing, you're going to need some equipment too. Yeah. Yes. You're going to need to have your tethers and maybe a harness and a couple carabiners. The safest way to do a clip unclip when you are on any trail like this is to have two tethers and two carabiners. So you unclip one, you put it onto the next line, mm. and then you unclip the second one. That way you're never completely disconnected from the the safety line at any time. Sure. Yeah, and I think like I mean we say that's a can't miss, but it's a can't miss if you're an experienced hiker. I would say if you've never done anything like this, either do a lot of research beforehand or maybe just just do the narrows because this is something that is going to incorporate a skill that maybe you you don't know about um, and there is a high degree of risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for for the narrows it is strenuous but you can choose how far to go in and just know that you have to come the same distance back. Sure. And the sure. same same kind of goes for Angel's Landing too. You can do part of it. You can hike up as much as you're comfortable and then turn around and come back down. Sure. Uh, and coming downhill is usually a little bit more easygoing. It's a little bit less physically strenuous and less dangerous. You're not going to get stuck up there. Yeah. The big difference with something like the Grand Canyon is that the easy part is hiking down. So you can go checkpoint to checkpoint and think you're totally fine. And then you still have to hike back up. Hiking down is optional, but hiking up is not. It's a little bit more of a sneakier danger with Mm -hmm. the Grand Canyon. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, uh, do you think that people should do it in a day? Do you like regret doing it in a day or are you like, you know what? I don't, you know, it wasn't that bad. That's a good question. They definitely do not recommend people go down and up in one day. And there's different checkpoints along the trail. You could go down to a specific checkpoint and then come back. There's no reason why you have to go down all the way to the Colorado river and then turn around and come right back up in one day. If you're going to do that full hike, the park service recommends you make it at least a two-day hike. You hike sure. down, you stay at the campground at the bottom, and then you hike back the next day or even split it up and stay at the the second checkpoint campground on the way up the Bright Angel Trail. Mm. Um, we did it down and up in one day. And I will say there were times on the way up that were so exhausting and so physically strenuous that I had to stop. We had to stop, take a break, relax, lay down. And all the while you're thinking, don't stop for too long to where the sun goes down and you end up in the cold desert night (laughs) 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 on some exposed trail where there's, I don't know, could be snakes or mountain lions or dangers. Yeah. Like you definitely, if you're going to go down and up in one day, you don't want to get stuck halfway up. (laughs) Sure. If you're scared of heights, what would you say to someone who wants to hike the Grand Canyon, but they're terrified of heights? Uh, Bright Angel Trail's less exposed. Right. (laughs) But also, like, uh, maybe just don't. I don't 
<laughs> I'm not really scared of heights. No, me neither. There was one in particular point on Kaibab Trail where I was freaked out. We got a out. great picture of this. <laughs> Brian is standing on this narrow part of the trail uh-huh. with a sheer cliff going up on one side, like uh-huh. a sheer wa- rock wall. Right. And then on the other side, it's a sheer drop off. So sheer he's depth, basically right. just on a ledge, like sure. halfway up yeah. the sheer wall of rock. If a mule came by and knocked me off, I would just. Yeah, be- it almost looks like if the wind blew a little too hard. <laughs> Wow. There you go. I kind of cringe thinking about it, but don't just as long as you look down (laughs) (laughs) on those particular points. I would struggle. I would struggle. Heights are not my forte. You could just go on all fours and crawl, then you'd be fine. Probably would. I don't see anything wrong with that. (laughs) No, it's fine. Yeah. (laughs) No one needs to be a hero here. Definitely. At the very bottom, we missed Phantom Ranch. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit, Brian. Get to the very bottom, and we thought we thought Phantom Ranch was just a place you could sleep. Turns out, Phantom Ranch, well, they do have overnight cabins for some guests who book well in advance. Phantom Ranch is a place where you can go in. There's vending machines. You can get snacks, drinks. I believe there's a barista there who yeah. can make you stuff. Um, places you can sit down, get out of the sun, as well as, like, you can even buy a postcard. And you can write a postcard to someone like, hey, I'm here in the bottom of the Grand Canyon at Phantom Ranch. Drop it off right there. Uh, A mule will take it up to (laughs) the top where it will then be sent to someone. But wish we would have done Phantom Ranch and gone inside. We just didn't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we felt the need to pack like 3,000, 4,000 calories of food in our backpacks and three to four liters of water for a winter hike. You'd need more water in the summer for sure. Sure. But we could have maybe packed a little less food and right. just got some snacks at Phantom Ranch yes, at the bottom. We could have. And then we would be a little bit lighter packs going down and then coming back up. My last tip on the Grand Canyon is I really wish we would have had walking sticks. Definitely walking oh, sticks my gosh. would be amazing. And it's in particular for the way down. Everyone had walking sticks but us. And then finally, you crafted one. I did. Yeah, you, you looked like a branch like, of a you, tree. You like, looked like Moses walking. Yeah, Gandalf. <laughs> Just the way really, the I, shape of it. Any was. iconic character with a walking stick. And I had to make fun of you because I was jealous. That's fair. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the walking stick definitely helped me on the way back up. Don't if you're worried about looking cool. Don't even don't even think about it. Get walking sticks, especially. Actually, yeah, for both ways. Yeah. We talked to some hikers on the way back up about walking sticks and the amount of envy in my heart was just overwhelming. (laughs) She had these like carbon fiber collapsible telescoping walking sticks that weighed, I don't know, a couple ounces a piece. I know. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So if you're wondering if you should go down and back up in the same day, Brian and I are in pretty good physical condition. Like both pretty sure. uh, athletic, at least mildly so, and uh, we we had just got off doing the Narrows hike, and six hours of hiking in water is pretty strenuous. We felt pretty good about that. Right. This hike down the Grand Canyon back up was very taxing. Okay. It was exhausting. At the end, towards the end of the hike, the last mile or so on the way up, constant uphill, uh, I kept thinking, I'm never doing this again. I never <laughs> want to do this again. My legs hurt so bad. <laughs> and I'm like in pretty good condition, like avid yeah. snowboarder every year out West. Uh, I love to ski. I love to hike, that kind of thing. Um, but I was, this was like too much. 
And then getting to the top of the rim, by the time we walked to the car a half an hour later, I was thinking, I have to do this again. That was so incredible. I feel so accomplished. <laughs> it's a big ac- accomplishment. Sure. It's like a whole mile of elevation down and then a whole mile of elevation back up. That's, that's, that's a lot. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty strenuous. But I would put it at one of the highlights of my life as far as like accomplishments of physical activity. <laughs> wow, yeah, definitely. That's cool. Yeah, so if you're in good shape, I mean, give it a go. Why not? <laughs> but exercise extreme caution, of course. Yeah, and you don't have to go all the way to the bottom and back up. Sure. If sure. you're ever, if there's ever a doubt in your mind, I don't know if I can make it back up, just turn around and go back. Yeah. It's not worth your safety. Yeah. I think that concludes our uh, tips. We can roll into standby items. It's safety and other info with standby items. Here we go. If six standby items that didn't really fit in with the rest of the show. Number one, when you're in the Grand Canyon, we highly recommend having lunch at the El Tovar Dining Room. The El Tovar Hotel is this gorgeous hotel that was too much money for us that we were not willing to spend that much money. Right. However, we were willing to have a fancy lunch there, uh, which is has a gorgeous view overlooking the canyon. I got French onion soup. You got a salad and steak or whatever. Mm-hmm. And highly recommend that you're definitely going to spend a little more money, probably closer to 25 to 35 bucks a person. Okay. Next standby item. I know I've already said it twice. I just want to make sure it's clear. When you go to get the national park entry fee, it's $30 per national park, or you could just spend $80 and get the national park pass, which gives you access to all of them. Since we hit at least three, I find it was best. Buy the $80 pass. You have access to all the national parks. Third standby item, bring at least two pair of sunglasses. It's really, if you don't have sunglasses, it can ruin your trip. You'll probably break or lose a pair on these strenuous hikes. Bring a backup pair. Next one I'm most excited about. Steve and I did the Maverick helicopter helicopter tour over the Grand Canyon in the South Rim. It was a 45-minute tour. Highly recommend it. I did get a little motion sickness. The helicopter held how many people? Six. Plus the pilot. Yeah. And you got a window seat. I was next to you. I still had a great view, though. Mm-hmm. Some of our best footage is from that yeah. helicopter trip. And if you tend to get motion sickness, just pick up some Dramamine from the drugstore on the way. Pop it before you go up. Absolutely. When you're hiking the Grand Canyon, bring tissues or toilet paper. If you have to use one of the restrooms, there are restrooms along the Grand Canyon which are fine. Nothing luxury. You do need your own toilet paper. And our last standby item has to do with seeing wildlife on the Grand Canyon. Steve, That's tell right. what we saw. <laughs> yeah, lots of wildlife in the Grand Canyon. You got mountain lions, scorpions, snakes. Probably won't see any of those three. We did see some bighorn sheep. Or were they mountain goats? I thought they were mountain goats. Dang it. I messed this up. Okay, they were mountain goats. We did see <laughs> some mountain goats. And uh, we don't know how aggressive mountain goats are, but we felt a little bit afraid because they're bigger than you'd expect them to be. They were on the trail we were on. Yeah. So if by some chance you had a mountain goat 
coming up to headbutt you, just use your backpack as a cushion. Bring it around the front side of your body. Hit it and hit the mountain goat with your backpack. And uh, maybe you won't die from the blow. I don't know. Well, it was funny in relation to wildlife. And I think I've talked about this on a different podcast, but the idea of most rattlesnake stings come from when people, uh, weary travelers just kind of go to rest their hand on a rock yeah, or without cliff looking. face without looking. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, you're actually putting your hand on a <laughs> scorpion or something. Or a rattlesnake. rattlesnake. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Did, that's, a, that's a good tip. I didn't know about that. Frightening. Yeah, yeah, just, or you just go to like throw your backpack down because you're so tired. I mean, we did that so many times. We did, yeah. But we looked before we knew to look. threw it down. Yeah, just because we were thinking that. It's a cool trip. Happy to plan it for anyone. Contact us at the travel agents. Love to get you on this same itinerary. Tweak it to fit your needs and your style. Thank you so much for listening to us here on the Travel Agents Podcast. We're the Travel Agents. That's the end of our show. Make sure to comment and subscribe.